0: so what led to your interest in consciousness jules i was i was looking at your bio and it said that you started exploring these realms when you were 16 which shows by your energy you seem to be a really happy person which is my next question but (laughs) What, what what were some of the first things that you got into and what motivated you? You know, most 16-year-olds are into different things like, you know, being a cheerleader or a, a valedictorian or whatever they're into, or being a rebel and being crazy and doing drugs and rock and roll and all that. <laughs> there are a wide variety of interests for a 16-year-old, but what led you um, in this rare case into looking at consciousness and spirituality?
1: Right, well... Um... It was your last answer. Is that what was me? I was definitely the rebel into, to drugs, and I actually got kicked out of the house when I was sixteen. And I thought, okay, well, if I'm bad enough, I got kicked out of the house. I must be an alcoholic. So I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, and my first sponsor was a healer and she recognized my gift in seeing and started to teach me how to read energy and the more i got into reading energy and frequency if you want to put that word there the more i awoken consciously and what i realized though in that moment was that i was always awake and the reason i was doing drugs and alcohol was to fit in with everybody else and so that's kind of where it started. And I just never stopped. It's like once I got turned on, there was no stopping me.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that because I find most people on the path that are very dedicated to it um, experience some sort of hardship, right? It's like the the wounded healer kind of phenomenon. That's definitely the case for me. You're You're just lucky that you you know, started to get your shit together at 16. It it took me (laughs) until I was 26 before I got sober and started to explore these realms. So there was, you know, there's a a longer period of darkness and being lost. But I want to say, do you find this interesting when you meet someone who doesn't have an origin story that includes suffering? I find every once in a while, interview someone on the show or meet someone that is of high consciousness and deeply committed to the spiritual path. And they were just always good, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. they were just, they had a proclivity for that that was not um, motivated by pain or suffering or loss or trauma or anything. They're just like, oh, I just, this is the way that I was karmically kind of driven uh, to live. Do you do you ever meet people like that? And do you find it as strange as I do?
1: I know I don't find it strange. If anything, I think I probably relate to that more than that I went through all this pain and suffering to, to awaken. Uh, because as much as, yes, I got kicked out of the house, it wasn't this huge traumatic thing for me. And I think that's always how I've kind of lived my life. It's always just whatever's happening is happening. There wasn't ever any big deal about it. I don't know how else to really say it. So when I was in that, I was more like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I would say what was mostly traumatic was that I was so young and but I always had somebody to pick me up, right? It's, I, I always trusted that everything was going to work out. And I don't, I'm not really answering your question, but I guess I don't really relate either way. And I've just always been that way. I've never been a person that gets attached to things and it drives people crazy because I just don't care. It can be either way and I'm still good.
0: I sense that about you, especially when you shared uh, before recording that you're about to give up your home and and go on a spiritual sojourn of sorts, you know. It takes a certain kind of person to renunciate part of their life at least and, you know, seek the path. Um, I wonder if your gifts and, you know, intuition and sensitivities were inherent to you, so that being in the matrix in the muggle world as a teen <laughs> was was too uncomfortable, and so you know maybe you didn't have a way to hold those gifts, or people around you that understood those gifts and could support them. So you maybe sought escapism as a way to kind of numb or blunt the um, the awareness that you had. Do you think that rings true at all?
1: I would say that's exactly what I did, but I was very conscious that I was doing it. I, I mean, when I would drink, I would drink because I knew I would. Hit the field, like the energy field of where other people were, and that I could connect into the world that they were in. But it was a very conscious choice when I was doing it. I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> no, that's
0: <laughs> funny. Yeah, because I, I, I don't have anything against alcohol. I'm happy people do whatever <laughs> drugs they want to do if it serves them. I'm not like a, I'm sober, but I'm not a puritanical person in that sense. But Um, In my experience with alcohol, for example, um, it didn't have any consciousness-elevating properties to it. It had a (laughs) consciousness-diminishing properties to it, like many of the drugs I was addicted to. Um, So that makes sense. If you want to meet people on their level and you're kind of a conscious, awake kid with high empathy or whatever your gifts entailed... That, um, that makes perfect sense that you would use alcohol as a way to kind of like bring the vibration down to the muggle level of the people with whom you were spending time. And not, this is not, a, not in a judgmental not way.
1: Not at all. And I, and it wasn't out of judgmental. It was more of just wanting to connect. It's like all these kids are having fun and they're just living their lives so unconsciously. And I was aware that that was what was happening. But I didn't know how to get there. I was so awake and so aware of everything. And I just wanted to know what it was like. And when I, the first time I ever drank, I was like, oh, this is it. This is how I can connect because it literally has the same frequency as where they are when I do it. And then when they would do it too, we would connect in that frequency and I got to hang out with people in the same world
0: <laughs> so it was a useful tool at the time yeah it's interesting you know, i haven't thought about alcohol in a while but um m- most of the kind of social gatherings that i uh, am part of here in austin don't really include alcohol it, it's it's not like you walk in and they're like this is a no alcohol party it's, it's just not there and it's just it's a non-issue really mm-hmm. you know but every once in a while when i go out into the world and there's an uh, you know a gathering of people where alcohol is present and if it's present and people are really imbibing i definitely have a very difficult time connecting with people because it's it's such a different frequency and again not a better or worse not not a judgment like i walk in well i don't drink so i'm at a higher frequency it's just it's just a different frequency and I just can't, I really can't be around people that are drunk. I just feel so uncomfortable. I can't. There's like this barrier, this opaque fog between us. that I just mm-hmm. like can't connect. I imagine that's how people used to feel around me when I was totally insane. And, <laughs> you know, I thought I was the normal one always.
1: I think that I think what you said is really true because I feel that way too. I feel like once you get to a certain frequency and you're and you own it, and also that you find a way of owning that and not allowing your frequency to drop when you're around other environments, when you're around somebody that's so disconnected because of drugs or alcohol, it's just for me, it's just more of a waste of time. It's it's just why would you spend your time there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just going into any unconscious situation when when you're about raising your consciousness and being more awake and more aware and more fiercely present. Yeah. It, it does seem like a waste of time. Um, so observing you and your videos and listening to your podcast a few times and things like that, and just meeting you when you walked in here today, you seem like a crazily happy, high vibe person, like I have a difficult time seeing you have a really shitty, depressed, anxiety-ridden day. And you know, I've been working on myself for a long time. Most of the time I'm pretty happy go-lucky. I think I'm able to change my perspective on reality to a degree that there's no good and no bad. And, you know, edging toward a more non-dual perspective on on life and its experiences. But there still are days where I'm just like, wow, I'm off. I'm just trashed. <laughs> I usually can't explain why. It's just something in the air, man. I'm just off and might be really stressed out or something like that. Thankfully, it, it doesn't persist. It's usually pretty short-lived, and it doesn't it doesn't um, kind of self perpetuate and take me into a dark place. I just know, like, oh wow, I'm really off. My perception of you being this always happy person. I mean, do you ever go to a dark place? Do you do you have waves of depression or anxiety or life or business crises that that come at you still that you need to overcome?
1: That's such a good question. So um, we all are going to have our challenges, right? But I'll say that my frequency always is the same. And for me, when things like that happen, I know that it's happening. And this is going to sound really bizarre, but anybody that knows me intimately will say, yes, this is true. <laughs> it's it's like, let's just say there's something that kind of happens where somebody else would normally like kind of react pretty bigly too. bigly not a word pretty I, I big, think it's a word is it a big, I'm yeah, gonna own bigly. it
0: bigly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I use bigly but it's like oh man that sucked bigly or wow okay, I, I love I that just I must have bigly. picked that
1: up from you <laughs> I, I don't like, think I've ever said that word <laughs> um, but anyways but I I actually have to check in to s- know how to react Right? But like, is this a big deal? Because I don't have, I, this is the best way I can describe it, is I identify in frequency and not emotion. Because I've identified in frequencies for such a long time that I don't really feel emotion anymore. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but it's true. And I cho- there's times where I can choose to feel emotion, but it actually takes a lot for me to move into a place where I can actually trigger the chemical and create an emotion. I can easily do it through frequency. So my point to that is, of course, I have things in my life that are going to happen. And I'll even notice thought patterns that can come in. But once I move it into the frequency, I actually have to step back and ask, how do I react to this? because it feels exactly the same, whether it's a really good thing or a really bad thing. When I don't have the emotion to trigger in order to react to something, a lot of times I do have to sit back and know if it's a big deal or not. Like how, how far do I go with this? And a lot of times I'll have to ask people.
0: I I relate to that. I mean, I think when one is practiced in neutrality and, and less at the whim of neurotransmitters and hormones and all the things <laughs> that control so many of us, all the stuff that kind of runs the programming. It, it makes sense that you can have a bit more of a ongoing witness perspective, you know, to be able to step outside of a reaction, right, and look at it and find what's most appropriate. Um, do you spend any time in meditation or contemplation? Or is your ability to stay in that neutrality and, and not be so much under the control of your emotions due to the work you do around frequencies and all the things we're going to talk about?
1: Yeah, I never meditate. Uh, I, I listen, right? I'm always listening to the frequency because the frequency has an intelligence. And anytime that I, I can actually tell, and I, right away, okay, am I listening to the intelligence? The frequency? Or am I listening to my programming? And I've gotten so good at knowing where I am that immediately, if I go into programming, I'll move back into the intelligence. And that's what I'm listening to. And it's not always saying something, right? A lot of times I'm just holding the field. And then in that field, there'll be times where I'm, if you want to say, given a message or information. And then there's times I'll I'll hold the field and ask for information, and that's a lot how I do my work, right? You have to to listen to an intelligence out of programming, or you're just leaping in the programming.
0: Yeah, the response versus reaction. Right, <laughs> the response is more is more thoughtful. There's there's more awareness in in a paused response than there is in just the programmed reactivity.
1: I also feel the more, I know this just sounds kind of weird, but the more we start to identify as frequency and everything, not just the way we think and the way we feel, but our body. And that's really where my passion is, is let's activate the body because the body is holding our consciousness. And we're so focused on reprogramming the brain and what our emotions and I feel like we're missing the biggest part of what we came here for. And that is to master the body. And our body has an intelligence. And for me, that intelligence is transcribed in our DNA. And once we start to turn that on, we start to turn on a quantum field and our body starts to move into that quantum field. And if we can put our consciousness there it's one to 10. There's no more looping. You're, you're in a different reality because you're being held in a field that has an intelligence outside of not just the programming of your mind, but of your body too.
0: That's interesting because there are so many spiritual traditions, thinking of just Eastern mysticism and different things, where um, the renunciate that renounces day-to-day life as a citizen and wherever they are. <laughs> Also, uh, diminishes the value of the body, right? That it's like we're trying in, in meditation and different practices to kind of get out of the confines of the physical body, like to um, uh, ascend physicality, right, and get into the spiritual realm, and therefore the body is just kind of discounted as a pain in the ass, necessary part of our, you know, our vehicle that we need to get from here to there in terms of our evolution. So it's interesting that that you look at the body more as a necessary and integral part and, and more of a tool that one can use to explore consciousness versus leaving the body behind and minimizing its relevance and trying to escape it, for lack of a better term.
1: What I would respond to that is if it worked to just do this consciously, then we wouldn't keep looping. The way that we are, like whether you want to say it's reincarnation, the life into cycle, if you just see how many cycles that we play out every single day, and most of us just do it unconsciously, but we're also only focusing on like 10% of what our body can do is like we pay attention to what we see, what we physically feel, what we hear, what we taste, all the five, the basic five senses. But then there's this other sixth sense, if you want to call it, or this other level that is more on a quantum field that we just don't even pay attention to. And we think that if we go somewhere outside of our body consciously, but that frequency is actually inside of us. And if we can hold, right now, most people's bodies on a physical level are measured right around 7.5 Hertz. The DNA is holding a frequency of 963 when it's turned on, those DNA codes that are dormant. Just think what your body would be if you are physically holding the frequency of 963 from 7.5. That's a huge difference. And then where's your consciousness? It's in your body. So eventually, for me, once we are so conscious We turn on the body, we hold that frequency. Our body's already in that frequency. We're just not aware of it because we're not able to hold consciousness there. But when we start to attune to that, the intelligence, and we get really, really good at it, and we start to raise up until we actually start to experience the quantum body, then we no longer need consciousness. We just become the intelligence. And at that point, we did it. Right, I mean, isn't that the point? Like, let's find out just how powerful we are. We're missing out on the biggest part, and that's the body.
0: I wonder if uh, the mystics of history that have been able to um, bilocate, levitate—these things that sound like fantasy—but I mean, I've, I've, I haven't seen those things with my own two eyes. But I've met people who have that are trustworthy and not insane. <laughs> and, and I've been around a few mystics and masters that have had cities, you know, powers and done things that you just can't explain in in the world of rationality or air quotes science. I wonder if that's what's happening for those, you know, the mystic who dematerializes instead of like the body physically dying, they just poof are gone. You know, I wonder if that DNA code has been so activated within their physicality that, you know, the physicality loses all of its density and therefore they can be in two places at once and all these kind of mysterious things that we hear about going on
1: that sounds accurate to me
0: yeah wow life is such a trip I never thought I'd see this happen, but I'm going to turn 53 this year, folks. And if you watch this show, you know I actually get younger each year. Well, that's what I'm working on. Seriously, though, despite everything I do to stay way below my chronological age, I still sometimes don't feel the way I did in the prime of my life. I mean, let's keep it real. It takes me longer to recover from workouts than it used to, and my mental and physical energies crash sometimes earlier in the day. And it makes a lot of sense if you look at the science. The body makes something called senescent cells which start to accumulate in the body more and more as you enter your 30s and 40s. Scientists call these senescent cells zombie cells because they linger in your body when they're no longer serving a useful function, vamping your energy and nutrition. But of course, there's good news. In 2015, a team at the Mayo Clinic discovered a group of plant-derived ingredients called senolytics that help our bodies eliminate these pesky senescent cells. And the best source of senolytics you'll find anywhere is an amazing formula called Qualia Senolytic. This stuff brings together nine different senolytics in a supplement that's vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. Cruise over to neurohacker.com stylist to try Qualia Senolytic with a 100-day money-back guarantee. And when you use the code STYLIST at checkout, you'll also get 15% off. And the best news is, you only need to take this stuff twice a month to experience the benefits. Boom. It's seriously the easiest anti-aging hack there is. Again, that's neurohacker.com slash stylist. N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash stylist. And that code is stylist. I love talking to people like you. Like the more far out someone is, the more interesting it is to be, you know? (laughs) Which you're not far out to me, but maybe some people listening, you know, that are like, wait, what? You, you talked about, uh, you touched on frequency versus emotion. And that was really interesting to me because when I think about um, different ways in which I've experienced love, for example, throughout my life, um, I think my early interpretations of that, I mean, speaking of like romantic love, not so much familial love. But in romantic love, um, when you're younger, so much of that is driven by hormones and neurotransmitters and nature has these bonds for us to procreate. And then it's so powerful that we think this must be love, right? And I'm no spring chicken. And so I've been around for a while now and had different permutations of that experience. And I would say the, like, the love I share with my wife, Allison, who I think you'll meet in a little bit if she gets home in time. Um, it's so not even an emotional love it's almost ineffable it it for you know in your uh description it's it's more of an energy field or a frequency than it is an attachment or a neediness or oh my god baby i love you i would die without you it's more based on alignment right it's like two people with shared values we're going to the same destination however different our paths might be in their details but it's uh it's totally different, and it's and it's so so much more powerful being unified in that field than it is just in the excitement of being in love in the classical sense, so maybe you could touch on what you think the difference between an emotion, whether it be love or rage mm-hmm. on the other side of the scale um and how that differs from frequency
1: I think that the easiest way I like to say it is that uh, an emotion is more like a hertz wave. <laughs> so you think yeah, you have these guitars in here if you were to strum it like after a little while that frequency would leave the room because it diminishes over time and space. And then once we move into a frequency of let's say love it does it's in a scalar wave. So in that case it doesn't diminish over time and space and it doesn't matter what's going on around it, it's still gonna hold that frequency. So that's what we call the field, right? So once you're in that field, you're gonna hold that frequency of 528 in a scalar frequency versus if you're doing it through emotion or a chemical in the way that we consider love, especially when we're younger, then it is gonna diminish. And it's also gonna diminish if something happens that alters that frequency. So, and a lot of times that's our programming that alters the frequency because we're more identified in the chemical body, is what I call it, or the programmed body, the primal body.
0: Awesome. So, right now in the world, from my perspective, and we touched on this a little, <laughs> when we were chatting downstairs. I, I, for some reason, can't resist looking at the sometimes the oppression and the darkness in in the duality world that we live in, right? And the powers that be, the people that have somehow, people or entities that have somehow wrestled control of civilization over the past few thousand years and sort of superimposed this artificial grid of what we would just broadly term as civilization, even though it's it's not that, it's de-civilization, really, um, they're pushing really hard, right? Over the past three years. I mean, what used to be in the realm of conspiracy theories when I got into conspiracy theories back around the time of 9/11, even I used to think some of the predictions were crazy, just in terms of, you know, the monetary system and immigration and um, just all of the ways in which the populace of humanity as a whole is being sort of manipulated and controlled through the media and wars and all this craziness and it used to kind of be in the shadows and only conspiracy theorists were aware of it and they were ridiculed and called crazy and then three years ago or so it was like oh no this is really happening right um you know maybe on the far extreme that satanic pedophiles control the world and you know on the more tame side well there's some people that are devoid of love that have amassed great wealth and power So depending on, you know, how, how your views lie, I would probably lean more toward the former with what I've learned. But my question is this, as, as these shadowy figures and systems become exposed, on one hand, it's, it's really scary because we kind of see what we're really up against. Like there really are forces that are against life. They're anti-life, right? Right then at the same time you have people like you and and so many other amazing awake people out in the world that are just ascending to higher and higher levels of consciousness and that's also spreading at the same time so what's your as being a really positive person as i've labeled you what's your uh, prognosis of humanity like are we going to make it through this portal of matrix domination and control is there a way out or do you see the world devolving into communism and more war and less sovereignty and, and freedom for us people?
1: I say, where's your focus? I mean, we're creating reality right now. Right. And I feel like this isn't something that we're just making up. I mean, science is proving now that what you focus on creates reality And that's why I choose not to watch the news and do all these things. And it doesn't mean I don't know what's happening in the world, but there are things I don't know. But what is my focus? My focus is ascending the body. It's getting to the highest frequency in the body. And why is that important? Well, all of the things that we're quote unquote being controlled by is what food, it's all survival. Everything is based on survival. Well, if we're ascending the body and we hit that 963, at that point, we're not eating, we're not drinking. We don't need shelter. We're, we are everything that we need is already there. We've like neutralized any separation. But if you think about the journey, you would say between here, where we are, into that point, we're taking anything that's in separation and bringing it into one frequency, 963. And that frequency is the intelligence of source. And if we're just doing that as an individual, then everything around us is going to do that too. So one reality of a person that's focusing on that is going to be way different than somebody's that's focusing on this. And it doesn't mean don't focus on it. It doesn't mean pretend like it's not there. Know that it's there and ascend it. Well, how do you do that? You look Because if we're meeting it in the frequency that it's in, we're not doing our job. We look at it and then we ask, okay, this is what I'm able to see in the level of consciousness that I'm holding right now. But what is it really? And then we turn on that frequency. It turns on on a DNA level. We attune our consciousness to what it's saying, and then we see the level of truth that we can see at that point. But it's not matching the frequency of what we're seeing. It's always gonna be higher. And by doing that, we're doing our job. That's how we ascend the world, if you wanna say, however you wanna say it. But when we're meeting the frequency of the chaos, we're not doing any good.
0: Yeah, good point, I like that where you put your energy is is what you get more of. You know, It's the reality that you create. I think that's the thing I sort of struggle with because part of me is just so fascinated at the human condition and the point at which we've arrived. I mean, it's unprecedented. We've never seen a world that is this insane. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I don't know if I could ignore it, even if I know it's better for my mental health and my my own ascension. And well-being to just kind of put that to the side Um, it's it's so fascinating but that there also is kind of an addictive nature to bad news right it's like that negativity bias there's also a pull from my chemistry that's like uh, I need to be on alert for them coming to get me and my people right yeah so it's like I'm often kind of dancing with that how do I keep the awareness of the goings-on in the matrix world um, in the periphery And not just totally ignore it, because if I had no idea what they're up to, then I feel like I would be somewhat um, easier to victimize, you know? But at the same time, it's like giving energy to those fearful thoughts just creates more of the same. And, you know, maybe by one worrying about military police knocking on the door and wanting to see your papers... um, maybe you're more likely to manifest that reality if you're sitting around worrying about it or if you're like fighting against that apparatus.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting that you say that because immediately I want to say that even that is kind of old paradigm. I mean, it kind of is because I feel like a lot of people teach and this, I'm almost like going against what I just said, but when we say that we're manifesting our reality by what we focus on, a lot of times it's going to be more of what level of consciousness are we holding in the reality that we're agreeing to, right? And when we have this chaos going on, there comes a time where we really do master the matrix and we can see it as the illusion and we aren't triggered by it because we know it's an illusion. And I even had this bizarre conversation with my daughter and we were talking about like how we can trace consciousness and actually get to a place where everything is the illusion. And I would say I hold my consciousness there the majority of the time. And in that moment, she's like, yeah, but mom, what if they come and control you and you die? And I'm like, so what? So that's the biggest thing that they have over me is that I'm going to suffer and die? Like... I mean, that's the beauty at that point of being in a body because we don't have to stay there. And I'm just saying, if we really, really think about it, is it really going to be that bad? And that doesn't mean that we don't try to stop it. But if we look at the reality and we're not doing it from that primal part of us that will do anything in order to survive, and we shift that into the frequency of the intelligence, knowing that our body has the ability to bypass all of this if we choose. And if that becomes our focus, we move into a frequency and in a pattern where our body can't be controlled on a primal level. And at that point, well, I, I mean, you can only imagine.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, also, it's like the... The apparatus or the system uh, to which I point is also fueled by fear. Like that's its currency. And that's the only thing really that it is able to use as leverage to control the populace. It's like if people weren't afraid of them and what they could do and what they are doing, then they would literally, it's like the Wizard of Oz, they would just evaporate, right? It, it is the fear of them, you know, capital T, that keeps us enslaved, right? It's like there there are, you know, say there are 10,000 people uh, that are naughty, that are controlling the world. And then you have, you know, 8 billion people that are generally good people. It's like we outnumber them by such vast numbers and, you know, not to get into us versus them, but in the world of duality, this exists. Of course, when we supersede that and rise above that, we see that it is all illusion. And anyone that we're going to talk about DMT eventually, which is kind of the topic I really want to get into, but take a hit of DMT and you will see that all of this is totally made up, right? Um, I mean like the physical version of DMT, <laughs> but then you come back, you know, into your waking state and then you're kind of feeling subject to participating and playing your role in that duality. But um, but I, I like the perspective that you share, you know, of not not feeding into that and giving that energy and just kind of You know, keeping one toe in the water, as I like to say, where you're not just totally oblivious and kind of um, spiritually bypassing that it's all love and light when, you know, on one level it is all love and light, but it's a few levels above where we are in the 3D reality, you know? It's like, yeah, it's true. We are all one and this is all kind of a mirage, but still we're here and we're in the game. So how do we do that? with some equanimity and, um, and, and a lightness of being, right? You
1: master the game. I mean, that's really yeah. what it's about. I, don't, You know, I have this thing about spiritual bypassing too because for me, it's always, I'm always, I, I trust so much in the intelligence of that's stored within me. I mean, I, I trust in it over anything else. And I know if there's something that I need to know that I will know. And I don't have to go searching for it, right? And so I'll get it in some way. It always happens, right? Every single time. If I need to know something, it's right there. And what that does is it keeps me so focused in the frequency that I am supposed to be putting my energy into that there is, there's very little interference. And then also what happens is that when something does come to me to be seen, I know that it's there for me to ascend. It's not, oh, I have to look at this and I have to fix this. And there's all, oh my God, the whole world is, it's just, this is your part. And it's your part because it came to you. I don't have to know everything. I just have to know this. And if I do my part, then I've done it for the whole.
0: Love it. I mean, that's the answer to all of our limitations is higher consciousness, right? I mean, that's all it takes. Speaking of, you know, when you went to AA, I spent many, many years in recovery groups. And um, I don't know that I knew what was happening at the time, but in in retrospect, it's clear that when I was in a lower state of consciousness in that survival animal addicted nature, that I lacked the power to pull myself out of it. And all that really had to happen, <laughs> which I wish I would have known sooner, was to go into a room full of people that had collectively a higher level of consciousness. And that level of consciousness may be like, and do you know the work of David Hawkins and all? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he had created a scale of consciousness based on a numerical values, and 540 is the number he put at the level of love. Um, and so when you walk in a room full of people and collectively that level is 540, you can take a crack addicted homeless person off the street for 10 years and they walk in and poof they're sober you know it's like it's really like a phenomenon uh, that's it's just wild and beautiful but it speaks to the inertia of higher states of consciousness and the magnetic field that they have to draw something else into it and fold it in and envelop it in its own consciousness you know it's why like love overcomes What we would consider the opposite of hate, right? Which to me is just a lack of love. It's just a gradient of love. And the more love you have, right, in your frequency, the more easily you can overcome what we would term to be hate or violence and things like that, right?
1: I had this vision as you were talking about that. Is so let's take so they had to go to somewhere where the room was measured in that frequency, right? Well, so what if everybody focused on holding that frequency in their body, right? And then their consciousness. So instead of having to go the, take a drug dealer and put them somewhere, you would just activate that frequency in their body. What if more than 15%, even 20% of the population chose to do that? Then all of a sudden the environment around each one of those people would also do. So then you're taking the drug dealer and just putting it, into an environment where people are naturally holding that frequency and then more and more people are starting to hold that higher frequency will now put somebody that's trying to control everybody in that frequency they become the drug dealer right right yeah i kind of like this
0: yeah totally i mean that's you know that's (laughs) what we're doing that's what we're doing here today hopefully for people listening you know they go oh boom maybe there's a little a little boost uh, but I definitely, you know, this episode, uh, the show notes, by the way, folks, will be lukestory.com slash DMT. And prior to us beginning the conversation, I really wanted to talk about that because, you know, it's it's a huge part of your work, but you're coming at it more from the frequency codes of DMT than like encouraging everyone to get a DMT vape pen and blast off all the time. Um, how did you first become aware of? Of DMT in either form, and then maybe you could differentiate what I just kind of glossed over—the difference between the molecule and the frequency—and how you got into this particular topic. And you have a skincare line I've been using that is just wild wizard shit with Ormus <laughs> and DMT codes, and I'm I'm super into it. I'm digging it. People watching uh, one of the video frames can see it here, and we'll we'll get into that for sure. But um, anytime I hear the word or the, I guess the acronym DMT, it piques my interest. And so when I found your work, I was like, oh, what's she up to? And, and I want to learn more about your whole perspective.
1: I love it. Yeah. So DMT, um, it is a chemical that is released when you're born and when you die. And then of course it, it can small amounts when you're dreaming sometimes, um, but sometimes when you're having sex. And of course you can Activate it with either plant medicine or the DMT pen, of course, too. And I, I actually did that. I did an apprenticeship with a Lakota medicine woman from, I think it was about 17 till almost 25 when I moved out to Colorado. And she taught us how to release DMT naturally. She was against plant medicine which I was a little bummed about at the time because I really (laughs) loved it. But uh, but what I found is that it actually worked and I was able to elevate in consciousness and it was my first kind of big push into that world of DMT. And then I kind of forgot about it and I honored her I never did plant medicine again. I really honored her in that. And then my girls actually came to me and were like, mom, we want to experience a psychedelics. And so we got some mushrooms, we did it together. And what I realized is this is so easy. Like I would just move through the plant and then I'd get on top of it and I would be totally normal. And I'm like, what is the point of all of this? But what I realized is the field that's on top of the plant is the same field that's in our DNA. So now I'm going to go into the little story of where I really found that this is where we need to be going is a friend of ours passed away on his 22nd birthday. His name is Vail and super amazing guy, like master for sure. And he came to me a few days after he passed away. Yes, I talked to talk to people <laughs> and he uh, He just, he said, it's not supposed to be this way. And we didn't really have to say anything more because I knew he was saying that we're not supposed to die. And he had me sit down and I started writing out all these equations and he was showing me all the different loops. And when I was done, it was almost like I had this graph of the flower of life And each loop in it was showing a looping cycle of how the DNA isn't functioning correctly. And then he showed me, okay, so this is the illusion of how the body is being held right now, but this is what it really is. And so he showed me that when we're born and the chemical of DMT is released, a frequency is released at the same time because our body is 90% frequency, like when we're totally quantum. And that frequency is transcribed into our DNA. And that frequency is 963 or source intelligence. Well, if you measure the frequency of DMT, it is also 963. So on a chemical level, so that our consciousness or that intelligence can be stored on our, in our DNA, which is physical. But then also what he showed me is that when that happens and we're put into a 3D structure, consciousness connected to the electrons of the body so that we had the tool to actually become the frequency that was transcribed in our DNA. Then when we die, the same thing happens. The chemical is released. That information is taken out of the DNA. And then the electrons that are holding our consciousness also leave the body. And it takes about two hours, actually, for all of the electrons to actually leave the body it reconnects into that frequency and you come one source. And so then he had me redraw the flower of life and broke it all up. And he showed me, this is how you can connect consciousness to that intelligence that's stored in the DNA to where you can actually become 100% source as the body. Damn. I know that's intense, right? <laughs>
0: If you've been listening to this show for a while, then you know how strongly I feel about taking care of your gut microbiome. Trouble is, there's a lot of probiotics on the market that make claims that just don't live up to the hype. Honestly, there are only a couple probiotics that I personally use or recommend. But today, I want to talk about a totally new type of probiotic with some very special features that convince me to add them to my daily regimen. It's called SynFit, and it could revolutionize the probiotic game. Check this out. SynFit's the first commercially available multi-strain probiotic purposefully designed to reduce body fat. The thing is, different strains of probiotics have different results. So Infinity Biotechnology brought together a team of biochemists to find synbiotics, those are probiotics coupled with a prebiotic, to treat a variety of conditions. With SynFit, they synergize four of the best probiotics shown to reduce obesity. So you can actually shed fat while improving your gut flora. It's a win-win for the human and bacterial kingdoms. So visit infinitybiotechnology.com and you got a code over there, Luke10, to get 10% off. And while a lot of the probiotics on the market have been tested on animals, SynFit's been tested extensively in human trials. And that's critical, of course, because results can differ between human animals and straight-up animal animals. Actually, SynFit contains even greater amounts of the probiotics than in the human trial studies that showed highly promising results for weight control. So hit up infinitybiotechnology.com and use that code Loop Ten. Was there any preparation on your behalf to create the space in which he could communicate this to you? I mean, you said you didn't meditate. What... Were you driving down the road, or I'm know. just
1: really, really good at at listening, and and that's something you know I've been listening to the intelligence for a really, I mean, my whole life, right? I mean, even when I was young, that's what I was doing, and I just got really, really good at it. And you know, it's it's always ironic that you know now I'm kind of going back to this place where you're like, oh, well, your a lot of people have their biggest awakenings through things that happen and we consider those things bad. I've never considered them bad, but I've definitely had pivotal moments where information got really intense. And both times actually were when somebody that was close to me passed away. And um, so I always just listened and I don't know why, but that's just how I am.
0: I'm picturing you uh, with like, you know, giant post it notes or a whiteboard or something. <laughs> totally.
1: I, mean, I have two whiteboards. <laughs> were you were you
0: uh, taking notes? I mean, if you're getting equations and codes and things like that, that that need to be deciphered, I mean, is that how you did you write them down? And is that how I you
1: did? I wrote them down and there, I still have a couple that I haven't been able to break, but I have a feeling after I do my journey and really sit deeply into the DMT code. So, the technology that's on the bottles, you'll see kind of that symbol. Yeah. That's the scalar technology. So what that technology is doing is the first symbol is basically taking something and putting it into neutrality. So it's putting it at zero point. The second symbol is allowing consciousness to be held in zero point. And then the third symbol is putting whatever it is, so on a cellular level is where we would go with that. It's pushing it into an expression to where the the cell is no longer observing its environment. It's only an expression of that 963 frequency that has the intelligence. So it's literally teaching the body to move out of observation of its reality and into the frequency of source and expression. So it's no longer in primal anymore it's in the intelligence and then when we start to do that on a cellular level then naturally our consciousness stops looking for information in its environment and starts moving into the frequency and identifying as the frequency and then all of a sudden you're just identifying in frequency instead of looking for the truth in the illusion
0: would another way of saying that be that the observer merges with the observed?
1: I like to say uh, that consciousness becomes the intelligence, like that tool. So when we were put into a third dimensional being, if you want to say the tool was that was the electrons, right? That are holding our consciousness. But, and then when that frequency is released, the electrons naturally start to move back into it because it is part of that, right? Because once we become 100% intelligence, we don't have consciousness anymore. So I see it as the tool. I don't know if that quite answered your question, but...
0: Yeah, enough to let me keep going. Okay. (laughs) When you talked about your Lakota teacher um, and uh, she wasn't an advocate for plant medicines and whatnot and uh, taught you other ways to release or generate the DMT. What, what were those uh, techniques like?
1: Yeah. So we did things like uh, sweat lodges and we did a, a lot of just ceremony things where chanting and that sort of thing. I did a day on the hill um, where you sit three days and three nights without food and water. So basically putting you into that altered state. But she also, it wasn't like we just went into this wet lodge, right? Like we were trained how to, just like when you're doing plant medicine, when you start to kind of get sucked in to a certain journey, right? That it wants to take you on. Instead of going into the journey, she would teach us how to to move up on top of it so that we knew that the journey was there, but we were hold, held in a field above it. So by the so in, in that case, if we were in a sweat lodge, when you started to get hot, you would know that it was going to pull you consciously into the heat, but then she would teach you how to pull back out of it and actually move on top of the heat, just the same as you would do with a plant medicine, but you were doing it through the heat.
0: Cool. And I have cool. a sweat lodge coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> Give that a try. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at tolerating heat, but sweat lodges are, a, that's another level. Mm, yeah, like I take saunas all the time and I'm like, sweat lodge done properly, it will rock your world. I, and where, where were you on the planet when this was happening?
1: So she was located in Nevada, but she like, I was in Kansas. I grew up in Kansas City and it was in Baldwin, Kansas. There was uh, some land there that a lady let her come and we would go and work with her for However long we got, to, she was in town. And, and I did the apprenticeship. She would give me, obviously, things to do. So when I left the land, then I would be out in the real world on my missions.
0: Cool, cool. <laughs> All right, let's get into some of the the um, behind-the-scenes nuts and bolts of how you work with scalar frequencies and ormus. And, you know, create, I mean, you have one, you guys sent me one uh, physical supplement, you know, which I recognize most of the ingredients, things I've seen before, glutathione, uh, resveratrol, and uh, NAC and things like that. So I thought, oh, cool, I like to take all this stuff. But um, there is something unique about this in that it's been infused with these other frequencies, which to some people listening will sound like crazy talk. To me, it makes perfect sense. And I have frequency things all over the house. I mean, probably too many (laughs) in one house, but I'm like a more is more kind of guy. Uh, But then you've infused the frequencies, not the the molecular dimethyltryptamine, but the frequency of DMT into these serums and Ormus potions. Some of them are sublingual, some of them are topical. And so I was just fascinated by that concept and i've enjoyed using your stuff but i'm always curious like what what's under the hood behind the curtain like do you have like a scalar machine are you making Ormus in your garage like what what does it look like on the back end before i get a bottle in the mail
1: i love this question so yes i there is a scalar device and um it's gotten to a place where the products are really held in a field. Now, I, I don't really, it's kind of running all the time and is transmitted through the, the symbol at this point. But it took a long time to get there. I mean, from the very baseline, it was measuring the frequency, putting it into the computer, letting it go through the device. And it was a lot, right? It, it took a lot to get to where... It is now.
0: So you would have to manually blast each product with the yeah. frequencies. Oh, yeah.
1: And then it got to a place where I was, oh, I'll just put it in the Ormus, right? And then that kind of sped things up. And so in my the last eight years, it's definitely evolved. And it's, but, you know, it just like anything else is that once you get to a place where it's been done enough times and it's been held in a state of consciousness that it's solid, it creates a field. And that field is definitely there. So now it's almost like it doesn't matter what it is, whatever product it is, you just basically say yes to it and it's holding the field. But with saying, having said that, we definitely, each product is a little bit different in that it's holding a different DMT code. So the supplement, for example, is holding codes that are based on the equations that I was given for Cell Ascension. So it's actually has very specific frequencies that are working with the cells to move into a higher frequency, a higher spin state, and literally start to turn off the way the cell is identifying in its environment. And then another way of saying that is turning off epigenetic codes, if you want to say, and start to identify in that one specific frequency of 963. It's like, well, how can you do that? Well, it's not actually that hard. (laughs) That's what's so crazy is that we, we make all of this stuff seem so abstract and, oh, it's so hard to understand, but is it? It's just because you can't see it. doesn't mean that it has to be hard. doesn't mean that it has to be scary. And it doesn't mean that it's not real. We're just so trained to only look at what we can actually measure and see and manipulate. And this is no different. It's just in a field of frequency instead.
0: Yeah. I, I it's one of my frustrations in life is that like I love science i'm just I'm a tinkerer, like when I work with you know the many brands I work with, I go on their site, I want to look at the studies, like I'm somewhat linear in that way because some things are measurable and provable, and that makes my job easy as a consumer because I can see the proof that it's a real thing and it's doing what it says it's gonna do, right, but it's also frustrating because science in the newtonian realm of physics has a certain limitation in terms of its capacity to not only be understood but to also function right and then you have the unseen quantum spiritual realm the field which is beyond the level of consciousness that can be measured right the non-physical realm and so it's like trying to explain something that is nonlinear and non-physical and totally true and valid to someone who is sort of locked into the paradigm of physicality and provability and measurability is like trying to explain to a fish that the sky exists, right? (laughs) It's like, it's real, but it's not real to the fish because the fish is under the surface of the water, right? Likewise, trying to explain to a bird, oh, there's this whole world called the ocean and underwaterness, right? It doesn't exist to them because they're not there, and so I, I mean, I think we're at an exciting time now, right, where where the scientific community is is starting to catch up, and obviously, quantum physics are the the most researched realm of science in the world right now, which is really exciting but it still is kind of frustrating from the consumer side and also just an information advocate such as myself, because I find people like you doing cool things and it's like, ah, God, yeah, but we can't like prove it, prove it, you know? And so it's like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's sometimes a little bit frustrating. I myself don't have much of a problem with things in the energetic realm because I just have had experiences that have led me to understand that there's so much more than what meets the eye. Furthermore, um, when I try something new, like you know, taking these capsules you have, or trying the the face serums with the Ormus and the DMT codes and all this, it's like if I was morally and intellectually honest, and someone said, "Oh, well, do you feel it?" I don't know that I could validate that, not because I'm not feeling it, but because I'm doing so many things. I'm I'm a really crappy test subject. <laughs> You know, if you saw my supplement cabinet and all the devices I have around the house, it's like, I really, I honestly don't have the discipline to just like, okay, I'm going to wake up, eat a couple eggs and some water and not do anything else. No ice bath, no sauna, no biocharger, whatever. And I'm just going to take these capsules for a week and see how I feel. Like I literally just can't do it because I'm such kind of, uh, I'm so full on and just kind of compulsive about all the shit that I do. So... um. I'm curious what the experience of people uh, for whom you know are maybe tapped into subtle energies and can really feel shifts within themselves more than I can. I don't. I don't know that I'm that attuned. Like my wife is much more so, for example. And someone who just kind of lives, lives a standardized life and starts using some of your serums and you know um, uh, creams and supplement and things like that. Like what what are you seeing for yourself or other people that are better test subjects than I? I guess is my question.
1: Well, I think you nailed it too. I just want to say that, yes, you can't measure it and it can't be proven, but we can have the experience of it. And that is, for me, I feel is that that is a proof, right? If people are actually living it, then you can't deny that. So I would say the biggest thing is that not everybody is a feeler, right? We all have different levels. I call them intuitive powers, So some of us don't feel, we just, we sense um, or we see, we know that that's probably the hardest one is the people that are, they just know, and they don't know how they know, but they're, they know something that's not their programming, right? And so if you're not a feeler, you may not feel it, but you're going to know something is happening, right? And, but I'm more on the other way. It's definitely raising consciousness. But if you go more on a physical level, it's things like um, diabetes going away, losing weight. It's, It's like really bringing the body into that optimum performance. But I'm gonna say probably the thing that I hear all the time is, I don't know how it happened. They're just like, one day I was that way and now I'm not. And I don't even know how I got here, right? I hear that all the time. And then once they're there, they forgot what it was like to be the other place because they've they moved into the field. Like once you're in the field, you know it, right? But you also know it when you're not there. And that gets so fine that when you're not there, it you immediately move back in. And then you start to diminish all of the timelines and the loops and all of the things that we experience. I I shared this with you before we got on, but I'm going to share it with, I think that it's worth saying out loud is that I feel like now we do have ways of kind of measuring what these things are doing. And uh, so a year ago, I had, by Tree diagnostic, I had my my DNA tested, the telomere length and pace of aging. My business partner, Leanne, she's like, let's let's do the Tree diagnostic. And I was like, oh, I just did it like 10 and a half months ago, but all right, I'll do it again. I haven't really changed anything except for add the DMT codes. That's the only thing I changed in the supplement because everything else i had already been doing right so when i did it it was my telomere age was 37 and i was like eh, that's decent i'm 50 and um so i was thinking, yeah it's probably going to be i'm a year older almost it's probably going to be about the same my telomere length was 19 that's a big difference
0: yeah that's a massive difference that's a difference. big
1: difference and i was i think i was probably shocked more than every, anyone And I don't even really understand all those tests and I find them interesting. So I don't even know how big of a deal it is, but it feels like a big deal in my body because my body is almost like, see, told you, like, let's do this. And now I'm like, full on, let's go. I'm going to take it down to zero (laughs) or my 100% pace of aging down to zero. What's
0: that test called?
1: it's true so it's a true diagnostic is okay. the name of the company
0: okay
1: um i i like that company because they have their own lab so they don't send out the samples oh, anywhere nice. they keep everything in house
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna put that in the show notes yeah. uh, again the show notes you guys will be luke story.com slash dmt yeah that'd be cool it'd be fun i that's the one thing like i was saying in the linear physical scientific realm. I, I do like doing experiments where like I get some labs and then I take on a different protocol and I get labs again and everything's improved. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's fun because then it shows the time, energy and money you're investing in your body and your health. It's actually doing something. Like when I look at my labs from, what was that? Like uh, I think the first functional medicine doctors I started seeing was maybe around 2011, 2012 and from the way I've been living, my labs now, I mean, are exponentially improved on every single level of everything. And I was already living a pretty healthy lifestyle then, you know, I tweaked a few things and it's like, I think I'm kind of aging backwards really in terms of like blood work. So it'd be interesting to see the telomere uh, situation. So in terms of the delivery of these codes, right? If, if we know, what was it? 960 nine sixty three the d m t one, so could we not just each person has their own little scalar wave generator that's set to that frequency, or um you know just take a supplement or something? I'm curious why you chose to deliver the frequency in a transdermal you know in a skincare line, which is kind of interesting. normally, someone would be like, "Oh, I make this magic potion, a serum or a pill or a powder, or whatever it is." or just something physical that like blasts you or your space with a frequency like um, FLFE or quantum upgrade. They have like these generators in some remote location and they are programmed with the unique identifier of your house. There's a bunch of that stuff turned on in this house. And so there's things like that. But why did you go with so much focus on the transdermal element? Um, Is it kind of like microdosing of the frequency of DMT or something like that?
1: I love that. Yeah, it kind of is. But I mean, I also say that it, it's working with the cells, right? Uh, okay. So you're, the, the skin is the biggest organ. And it's also you're doing it twice a day anyways, right? You're going to be bringing that frequency in anyways. But it's so much more than that. Because really what I feel that the frequency in this is different than the ones that you just talked about is that this is very specifically working on a DNA level to turn on that frequency and to shift the cell from identifying from going from observation to expression. Let's just say, so once it's an expression, it only can identify as 963. It can't identify as anything else. And then we start to shift the environment of our body, which is the environment of our consciousness and then they start to merge together until we hit 100 percent It's turning on that other 90% that's not just our five the experience of our five senses. It's all of this.
0: And you think this had a a big part to play in your telomeres?
1: I think it had <laughs> dramatically everything
0: to do. decreasing in in signs of aging or however they measure it?
1: Vale passed away in March of twenty twenty-two, I believe. So it's been a little over a year. So it took a while to get a way to communicate with the body in that frequency so that it was doing the specific things that he was showing me through the equations. And finally it came through as these 12 codes. And so each 12 code has, an. it's all in the 963, but there, it's almost like you could see it as a Googling in the same frequency, but pulling up information in that same frequency, but each information is saying something a little different. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of the way you can see these codes. So once I got to a place where it was able to do that, that's when I got really specific and what exactly is it doing to itself.
0: By now, many of you know the benefits of a ketogenic diet. It boosts cognition, endurance, and metabolic health. Now, I've tried to go keto, and it was just too hard for me to stay on the diet. I mean, avoiding carbs is much easier said than done. Thankfully, a couple years back, though, I learned about exogenous ketones. They are a ridiculously easy way to get all the benefits of going keto without the struggle. They give you on-demand ketones as a fuel while still being able to consume carbs if you choose. And the source I trust the most is Ketone IQ. It is hands down the best product I've found for physical energy and mental clarity, and it comes with zero side effects. Its main ingredient is called BDO, which is a molecule naturally found in foods like avocado, coconut, and honey. And it's backed up with so much research it makes my head spin. First, it's the most effective source to achieve and maintain the optimal ketone range for physically and cognitively demanding tasks. Second, it doesn't cause a spike in ketones, which can actually be detrimental. And the way it's converted in the body means you maintain significant ketone levels for several hours after taking it. The wizards over at HVMN have done some serious alchemy here with ketone IQ. And here's how you can get some. Head over to hvmn.com slash Luke. And if you subscribe at checkout, you'll get 30% off. Again, that's hvmn.com slash Luke. Are you talking about these numbers? So those watching my camera, right? These numbers are then associated with symbols. Yes. And is this the information that that you downloaded?
1: Yeah. So each code has, um, it's working on an epigenetic level, a coded nutrient, um, one of the laws of the universe, because we're breaking those, because once we actually move into one frequency, the laws don't exist. And if you think about the, the way the laws of the universe are set up, I mean, really, really think about it, it's keeping you in a looping cycle. We'll not go too much into that. A looping
0: cycle of reincarnation? A a
1: looping cycle of whatever it is, cause and effect, right? Right. That's one of them. Law of gender that we have have to, like, I mean, everything is based in separation. And you can even go, okay, well, what about the law of oneness? Well, saying that we are one is still in duality because you're naming what it is. It's still a loop. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so there's like a couple of different things that it's doing, but I think there's five or six things that it's
0: doing on a cellular level. And so with in practical application, like with these cards that have all of these different codes, um, it came with this guidebook that explains kind of each of the, the different codes with their, you know, just numeric value and then a description of them. So in practical application... If one wanted to sort of get to know these codes and frequencies, I mean, is it a matter of like meditating on the symbol or is this just representative so you have a visual of what the codes are that are within the products?
1: Right. It's both. So one of the reasons that it was put in a code that's not a specific number that is because you're actually learning a language. So the code has a, is a language of 963. So when you actually learn what each code is, and then you learn what it's doing, if you want to say, like how it's breaking law and it's doing all these things. So when you're looking at the code, you're learning to communicate in this new language in the frequency of 963. So, if you think about if anybody that's ever learned a new language, when you submerse yourself in that new language, you actually start to think in that language. This is no different. And when you submerse yourself in the language the codes are holding, you start to think in that language. And when you, quote unquote, think in that language, it creates a frequency because your thoughts have frequency. So, when you're th- literally thinking in the frequency of 963, it totally shifts the way you see consciousness. Wow, it's intense. This right? is fun.
0: <laughs> I, no, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. You know, there's woo woo and there's woo true, right? <laughs> I mean, there's like there's categories here, and I, and I think like in the realm of the you know quantum stuff and frequencies and energetics too. I mean, one of the other things that's, that's kind of challenging about it is in the realm of Newtonian measurable physics things are very easily proven or disproven right and so the validity of something can can be set pretty quickly with relatively little effort but in this realm it's kind of open season for charlatans and disingenuous you know healers and creators of products and things like that to claim because anyone can go oh it's invisible you can't see it so therefore you know just give me your money so it's it's also like unfortunately the realm in which a lot of snake oil Proliferates. It's just kind of the nature of it's just human nature, right? There are certain types of people that are going to take advantage, and they'll seize on kind of um, a concept or a philosophy like quantum energy and say, "Oh, I can make money off this," and (laughs) make claims about it because it can't be proven anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think that's one of the things that's a little bit um, challenging in that realm. But you know, I I am an optimistic person, so I think most people generally are you know, b- believe what they're sharing and what they're sharing has some validity. The interesting thing about it is in the case of your, um, telomere testing, that there is something within the physical that is quantifiable, that is is a result of playing in the realms of frequency, right? I think that's really interesting. Like those guys at FLFE and, um, quantum upgrade, they'll, you know, they can't like, test and prove that that frequency is in your house, but they can turn that frequency on, on two, you know, plants or two, you know, bowls of sprouts or something, right. And show, or you can show live blood cell analysis. There's different ways that you can measure the effects of something, even though if that thing you're measuring can't be measured, right. You can measure its impact in the physical realm, even though it's coming from the quantum unseen non-physical realm.
1: I love that you said that because we ended up getting um, BrainTap has a is not a bio a neurofeedback machine.
0: Oh, with the little clips yeah. that you put on. you know I have one of those. Really, I almost yeah. brought
1: mine. So I did. Maybe you can my, show me
0: how to use mine because, you know, like, oh
1: I've, my gosh, that's why I didn't bring it.
0: <laughs> I bought. I brought, I bought a PC because it only works on like a yes, non-Apple right. computer. And then like, I don't know, you know, the battery didn't work. I got on eBay and then sent it back. I got a new one. And then when I started plugging in, I, I couldn't get it to work. So I kind of lost interest. But that's a great example of one of those diagnostic tools.
1: Exactly. So I,
0: you know, I would like test myself, then go run the biocharger, the amp coil or, you know, breathe hydrogen gas or whatever. And then I go back and test to see if my HRV got better and things like yeah. that. And, I was looking forward to kind of starting to do some self-quantification and then I just ran out of steam.
1: So I, I can get it to work. I don't know how to read all of them, but I actually did this on my daughter. So my daughter's 22. She's, I mean, she's the most fit person I know. She is amazing. She's very into physical fitness and that sort of thing. And she came over one day and I was like, oh, let's hook you up onto this thing. And I was like, girl you're like half dead what was going on and so I had her do the coded um that one right Yeah. yeah copper
0: metal card
1: yeah so that's this it's a scalar card so it's holding the same frequency so I just had her put her thumb on like three of the the symbols and so it what took a minute maybe not even 45 seconds and we did it again and like her life force, it shows like how far out your life force yeah. went from, I think it was like 42 to 99. Her chakras opened Damn. almost 100%. And that was like in a minute. I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is genius. But then I too just got to this place where it's it's just kind of a pain to have to. Carry that thing around every very to prove to people that it's doing
0: something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something can also be proven just like you said, with sensitive people that are that are feelers, just subjectively, you can get feedback from them. Exactly. Uh along with the show notes, you guys, if you want to check out some of the uh bioquantum stuff, you can go to becoming slash luke. And if you use the code Luke twenty-two over there, you get guess how much off? Twenty-two percent. <laughs> Becoming bioquantum.com/slash luke and we'll also link to that in the show description so you can click away. So I'd love for people to kind of try your stuff. And I, I want to hear feedback. That's one of the most fun things when creators and inventors come on the show and talk about their things. There's gonna be a lot of people out there. They're like, Oh, cool, I'll give it a try. And then oftentimes people will send me a DM oh, awesome. you know, saying, like, oh my god, that thing's amazing. I tried it, like I had a guy on um Uh, who has a product called Mana, which has actually Ormus from the Dead Sea and Shilajit. It's a beautiful, really potent product, very unique. And he came on and just talked about his life and about that. And I get messaging people all the time. Oh my God, this stuff's amazing. Just uh, just today I was actually checking my messages or no, it was on a post that I had done about it and people like, I got it. This stuff's amazing. Like raving reviews and that doesn't need any other qualification. It's like, you know, either people are delusional and they think it's making them feel better or it is, you know. Exactly. If they're taking the time to like come to my post and be like, oh my God, this shit is rad, then I must be doing something.
1: You know? That's so amazing. Yeah,
0: it's fun. It's fun to get people's feedback. That's one of the things I really enjoy about this. And it's very rare that when I have someone come on, because I really vet people carefully. Um, I mean, I have to be interested in them and what they do anyway, otherwise we're not doing it. But Even though I vet them, you know, I'm always waiting for someone like, oh, that thing sucked. It didn't do anything. (laughs) You know, it's very rare that someone has like a non-experience, you know, or a negative one. So that's it's a fun way for me to get get feedback. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the the Ormus element? You know, I remember hearing about Ormus. I think from David Wolfman back in like early 2000s or something. And the way he would explain it was, you have the periodic table of elements, right, and all these minerals, and then You have these other states that minerals and metals like gold can exist in that uh, kind of conspiratorial, that they were kind of left out of the periodic table of elements. So it's this other table of, this is my interpretation based on a memory from a long time ago, Ormus kind of exist in a state that is both physical and non-physical with monoatomic gold and things like that where like there isn't physical gold present in it it's the alchemy that's the word i'm looking for right so i don't know a lot about ormus i just have always been drawn to it and i try different ormus products and things like that um it's just something that i'm always drawn to but how did you find out about ormus do you have a better way to describe it (laughs) than what i just did and uh and you know are you making it in your garage like where where does because this you know there is a physical element to ormus where does it come from? Give me the whole Ormus download.
1: Okay. So uh, I didn't know what Ormus was until uh, about 2015 when my friend passed away. And that was actually the, f- I believe the first thing that came through was Ormus. And it was a really hard thing to, uh, everything is always in equations, right? Cause I, I read the world through the frequency of numbers and So it took a while for me to understand what what it was. And then once I got to a place where, oh, it's this thing called white gold or Ormus. And I was like, okay, well, that's really interesting and everything. But I have no idea what that is. And so the next thing I got was the alchemy of how to make it. So I started making it, and I Would finally you, you
0: got the alchemy like another download, or did you? Yeah, like did he, you look at a YouTube video. No,
1: it was an al- the alchemy came from the, the guidance, the spiritual internet, the internet. Yeah, <laughs> okay. the the I call it the you I like, <laughs>
0: like that. You're the I like that.
1: So the Ugle, and uh, so I made my first batch, and I didn't. know. I was like, well, what do I do with it now? And so I knew that I was eventually going to ingest it, but I could also tell how high in frequency it was. And so I actually started taking baths in it. And then once I ingested it, I is when I actually was shown how to build a scalar device and how to to bring energy into it and how to actually manipulate the molecules so that when they're actually spinning, that it's bringing back information into the space. So that's the way I see Ormus. I love how you said it's in both form and not form. Like I call it form and spirit and because the molecule is spinning. So it spins and when it spins, it's either spinning in what we would call the third dimension or it's spinning in multi-dimensions but it's always there, right? So if we're putting something like that into our bodies, then we're holding a field or inviting in an element that's also feeding the cells and doing all these wonderful things because there are micronutrients, but you're doing it in a way that the body isn't identifying it in just form, but also not form at the same time or quantum. And so you're teaching your body just by ingesting something like this, that it's, it is both, and it doesn't have to identify in just form, that it can start to identify in this quantum too, because in the quantum field is, even though we can't, quote unquote, see it, it has so much power. And I mean, this is where our freedom is, right? I mean, we're so focused on trying to break out of the entrapment of our body, what is this over here that everybody is ignoring? It's like, oh, let's go over here. Let's do this.
0: I'm going to take a moment here to share an incredible resource with you. It's called Quantum Upgrade. Every unit of matter contains quantum energy and so do our cells. Every person has a quantum energy field and constantly interacts with other quantum energy fields. Quantum energy is so important that the 2022 Nobel Prize in Physics was specifically about quantum entanglement. Let me explain here how Quantum Upgrade uses this energy to powerfully enhance our well-being. Through many years of research, Quantum Upgrade has developed one of the world's most potent sources of usable quantum energy. When you sign up for their service, Quantum Upgrade associates your home, your phone, your business, your pet, or even your car with this energy source. And you all know by now what an EMF mitigation fanatic I am. That's because EMF frequencies are incoherent and dramatically stress the human body. Well, Quantum Upgrade counters this problem by harmonizing the EMF to make them no longer toxic to your body. This is why I love the service on my car. My EMF fatigue has dramatically improved. I mean, it very obviously works. But apart from the EMF benefits, Quantum Upgrade also enhances your vitality in many other ways, which are shown in the studies on their website. So if you want an affordable way to deal with EMF and experience the vitality you deserve, check out quantumupgrade.io and get a 15-day free trial using the code LUKE15. Again, that's quantumupgrade.io. So you're programming the Ormus material itself with the frequencies. Yes. So that's like the carrier, the physical carrier Yes. of the frequencies. Okay. So when I got these um, bottles, which thank you to whoever on your team sent me this stuff. I love getting free stuff. (laughs) It's a nice perk of this job. So there's this Scalar 33 serum. And, you know, of course, the first thing I do when I get something before I put it in or on my body is like scan all the ingredients. And this stuff has like all of every single next level thing for your skin ever imaginable. So I was like, even if none of the scalar stuff really has an impact, I'm like, this is really good skincare. Um, but then I was, you know, kind of reading, okay, how do I use it? And then this bottle here, the Ormus activator, it says to put three to five drops of that into this. And so I was like, okay, I'll take directions. And I started doing that. And it it feels nice on my skin, and you know, I'm I'm into it. And then this morning, you know, I looked at the ingredients on the, um, the Ormus part, structured water, Ormus, dead sea minerals, nano gold, advanced scalar wave frequency of the evolution technology. And I thought, well, nothing in there is going to kill me. So I just ate some and I feel great. So, um, you know, I'm still alive. Don't feel sick or anything like that. Um, was I nuts in trying this internally or was my intuition good that it, it could be taken that way?
1: I say always listen to your intuition.
0: Okay. And then I don't know if this one is out yet, but you I think you said earlier that this one here is actually meant as as a sublingual, like yes. oral supplement of Ormus, basically. Yes. What's the difference between these two?
1: So the way that they're coded. So the scalar oh, okay. 33 is holding, um, so it's basically working with the code 33. So the okay. DMT code 33, which is mastering the body in okay. So mastering 963 as the body. So that's the frequency. So it's also doing all the other things, but that's the frequency it's focusing on. This new one is the one that I'm actually going to code on my journey that we talked about. Oh, cool, so cool. I'll be coding it through that.
0: Right. So that's why like, I should start it at the, the end of the month? Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, when you say the word 33, there's going to be a small fraction of people listening that think you're a Freemason, by the way. <laughs> I know. I, you always
1: have to butt up with the uh, programming of the illusion. But
0: um, Whenever but, I hear that number or see that number, I get all paranoid. I'm just like, oh, wait, no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> I know you have to be really careful, but no, 33 in numerology is mastery. It's it's the, It's basically the ability to be in creation as the creator without separation. So maybe that's
0: why they adopted it, right? Cause it's like 33 de- degree Mason, I think is the most gangster level you can get to in their religion.
1: Well, I say we break that illusion <laughs> by just turning it on and all becoming our own little masters.
0: <laughs> I, I love that. I'm down with that. All right. And then, um, I, you know, something that I've heard about over the years and people have given me doses of this is this monoatomic gold.
1: It's what? the same thing as Ormus.
0: it's okay. just a different name. I see. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's it, an Usually, like yours and others that I've worked with, is um, it's kind of like a like a a little bit of a creamy texture, mm-hmm. and it's kind of gray or silvery looking, essentially. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, then, what about another thing that I've been using? Just based on intuition is you have these essential oils that are labeled with codes like dopamine or oxytocin or DMT. And so just intuitively, I took the um, dopamine code one and I put it in my diffuser that sits on my desk and I just run it all day long thinking, well, it might help me focus, you know, by giving me access to that, that frequency. Tell me a little bit about about how the oils are used do do people typically use them topically or in a diffuser like i'm doing
1: yeah either way uh, a lot of times i actually have people use them when they're i mean if you think about how we create our choices if we're creating our choices through the program body is that we're doing it to create an emotion so or to have something happen And so instead of going and doing something, I mean, yes, you're putting an oil on, but whether, so let's say it's dopamine and you just want that quick energy fix and you're going for sugar or caffeine or something, we just encourage-
0: Nicotine's my dopamine-enhanced nicotine.
1: Nicotine. (laughs) Yeah,
0: these little things. I don't know if you saw me, my Lucy Nicotine. I was wondering if that's what you were
1: doing. I always mean to tell guests,
0: like if you see me digging up in my gum and pulling something gross out, it's that, but Yeah. (laughs) I love I love the microdose of nicotine, <laughs> especially when you don't have to smoke it and get the negative right. effects of it. But yeah. yeah, it really makes me focused and like is a little mood boost. But I, I would say I'm also admittedly pretty dependent on it. I, in enough. other words, like I always know where it is in the house and how much there is of it, which to me is an indicator of some level of attachment. <laughs> you know, let's be honest.
1: If, I mean, I totally agree with if you. If you're on not that addicted, <laughs> or
0: you know, or even just, I would say maybe attachment is a lighter, you know, uh, a lesser version of addiction. But if if you don't know where something is and you forgot about it, you're probably not addicted to it. I agree. If you know exactly where it is and you're concerned it's going to be gone, you might have some attachment.
1: That's how I feel with my macadamia (laughs) nuts.
0: Yeah, I mean, we all have something, right? It's like the phone. I mean, it's like anything that gives the body some sort of reward or pleasure is, Mm. I mean, that's the way we're designed. It's beautiful. It's it's just a matter of like, who's the master? And for me, even though I, I know ultimately I'm the master, even though I'm kind of, subject to this habit at the moment i'm also a willing participant in it and that helps alleviate some of the guilt that i would otherwise have about it like oh why can't i not do this it's like well apparently i need it right now and i'm just rolling with it (laughs) and it doesn't have any negative consequences in my life other than what i do to myself about it because i have certain beliefs that like i shouldn't be doing that why not who says where where did that information come from i agree comes from my perfectionism you know
1: conscious choices i feel like bypasses the programming of shame which
0: is amazing yeah i mean it's like you with your earlier teen use of alcohol right you're like okay i know what i'm doing and i know why i'm doing it and i'm choosing to do it until it becomes problematic which it did hey were your parents i've i've been watching again i haven't watched this in a long time because it makes me so emotional uh but the show intervention which i watched for years are you familiar well, the show Intervention uh, has a documentary film team that follows uh, an afflicted addict or alcoholic and their family for a number of weeks with the intention of setting up a covert family or friend intervention on the addict to throw their ass in rehab. And it's heartbreaking and also deeply beautiful and inspiring when the people surrender and submit to going to rehab, which they sometimes do and sometimes don't. So in watching that, what's really interesting is seeing the sickness of codependency. Mm. And you'll see some parents that like have bottom lines and they kick their kid out like your parents did. But most of the time in these family dynamics where there's an addict at the center of it, you see, speaking of frequency, the frequency of illness and dependency and trauma and sickness like spreads to the whole group of people involved with the addict it's it's like a cancer of the psyche Mm -hmm. it's so interesting and i've experienced this subjectively in my own life many many times and the the likelihood of someone going to rehab and staying sober when their family doesn't get help Mm -hmm. is very low like Mm -hmm. you can pretty much guarantee there's going to be a relapse if the family doesn't take care of their codependency and all the enmeshment and stuff so my question was um How how do you think your parents understood that I'm I'm sure they loved you and were sad that you were misbehaving and acting out? Where do you think they got the knowledge and awareness to kick you out of the house? Which, to me, in some cases, is the most loving thing you can do Mm. when someone's, you know, harming themselves, right? Right. Whereas to, like, coddle them and support them would be enabling and ultimately hurting them and going against their their highest good.
1: For sure. Uh, Okay, so… That's a really good question. I don't know that I can answer it. I've never really asked them. I mean, you're them. not your parents, so right? it's I've know, never like... asked them. And, you know, it was after, it was really close, but not long after I, I left, they actually got a divorce. So there was a lot going on. Um, like, honestly, if I'm looking back on it, and I can't say this for sure, I just think that they were just like fed up and they were just like, we don't know what else to do, right?
0: right. <laughs> it wasn't was some just, high level like psychological understanding where they're like, "Honey, I think we're enabling her. We should give her some tough love." And my you know.
1: mom was a, a self help book person, okay. so I, I'm guessing there was probably an element of that, and I think that actually was part of her reasoning for getting a divorce as well. So, I mean, for where my pa- like the way that they grew up and just where they were in that generation, I would say that they were both pretty awakened in their own right.
0: Yeah, I mean, they could have very well saved your life. For sure. right? By by doing that, that I I think think. that's the thing, like in in the immediate, in those type of scenarios, when the family of an addict, or not that you were necessarily the addict, but someone who's having substance abuse problems, not all of them are addicts officially. Some people just go through a phase where they're wild out, but, it's, it's counterintuitive that oftentimes the most loving thing that the family can do is to just create boundaries and bottom lines and cut off their credit cards, kick them out of the house, disown them, and just have to rely on the faith that if they end up out on the streets, that they're going to live to tell the tale, you know, it just probably doesn't go that way much of the time. But I really, I have so much um, sympathy for, for parents in that situation and, and just friends over the years. I mean, I've, Cut people off because I knew that having them in my life uh, would only support their destructive behavior it's a really it 's a really tough decision for people to have to make and you know I don't know that there's a right or wrong in every scenario, but I would say the trend overall based on my observation and personal experience is to cut cords and let people hit a bottom because yeah. that that's what had to happen for me if people if, if people would have like got me a credit card or started giving me money, I never would have got sober. <laughs> You know, once I ran out of options, it was like, okay, I'll go to rehab.
1: Oh my gosh, you're so funny. You know, <laughs> there's
0: just no way I would have done it. I just had to be painted into a corner for my own <laughs> stupidity. Uh, okay, so what about, um, what I want to ask you, oh, I don't want to ask you. Have you, uh, have you ever heard of this technology called the Rasha? I think I've heard of it,
1: but oh, I don't man. know what it is.
0: I'm going to send you a podcast about okay. it. We had one here. They're quite expensive, so I don't own one yet i think they're around sixty thousand dollars, but they're they're a scalar uh, hey. generator of sorts and uh really really incredible technology i'll send you a podcast i did about it and we'll put it in the show notes for people that want a deep dive on the scalar thing yeah it's it's super cool so i wanted to ask you oftentimes people in these circles know the other people you know <laughs> You know,
1: that's not me. I never really? listen to podcasts. I don't listen to it. I, I really am in my own lane. I mean, it's how I um, keep it super clean. And it's just, it works for me. But I also, want you know what I'm going to say? Like when you were saying that, like I'm all for, all, all, I mean, obviously, I'm all for introducing frequency into the body. But there's going to be a point where we're going to be much more powerful than anything else right I mean we are the most advanced technology there is for real at some point we're going to move into a frequency where we just don't need anything
0: now, I'll look forward to that. It'll be a lot less expensive. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, my wife down there, I heard her come home. She would argue that you don't need any of it right now, Luke, because she's always like reminding me, dude, that everything you're looking for is found within. I love it's
1: that. So endogenous.
0: She means- well, she's a shaman. So like her whole paradigm is a little bit um, different than mine, even though we're both going after the same objective but I mean I think it's both there's phases you go through in life right where you're more dependent on exogenous tools than you are internal tools and I've oscillated between both of those but I I like your perspective I also think it's funny that you have a podcast and you don't listen to them because Allison's the same thing (laughs) she's never listened to a podcast
1: I've listened to well in 2015 I was told to just cut off from everything and I, I've, the only time I listen to one is when I'm going to have podcasts. So I listen to one of yours.
0: Good. So. Well, if you're going to listen to one, that would be the one. Damn it. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of the other things you do. I mean, I know you do some training here. You've got BioQuantum membership, a bi-monthly online gathering with your partner. Uh, is it Leanne? Uh-huh. Leanne. Um, and then you have something called the DMT Academy, which sounds like something I would like to sign up for. Uh-huh. Uh, based on our conversation what are some of your other offerings and you know ways in which people can interact with you other than just trying your products out in the physical realm
1: right so the products are kind of turning on the body working on the cellular level so your body is holding 963 and then i actually have a school where it teaches you how to hold consciousness in that frequency and how to actually move consciousness into the intelligence and start to identify as the intelligence and I actually teach you how to do that because it's not easy to hold consciousness in something that's super abstract because we've been taught otherwise. So it's basic foundation of how to do that. And then I also teach you how to basically, I I don't really like to use the word reprogram the cell, but we'll just say it for the sake of saying it. Just reprogram the cells to where it's actually an expression of that frequency versus
0: identifying it in its environment. Got it. Okay, cool. And we'll put all that you guys in the show notes at Luke slash DMT. So people don't have to keep track of a million different links and things like that. Uh, you have an upcoming event here. I have in my notes, the DMT ascension journey, September of this year, which we're in now through January of 24. Is that an ongoing
1: So that is the journey I was telling you about. Oh, that
0: you're just going on on your own. So
1: I'm going on, I'm doing it on my own. But I'm, so what I'm doing is I'm recording. And when this goes live, I'll only be a little bit into it. So you're, and people can join at any time. It's all recorded. So I'll be recording. I'll be basically hiking in and going to some remote places, finding certain vortexes that are holding a frequency of identical to the code. So I'm gonna do 12 different ones. And once I find it, I'm gonna neutralize the space so that the body is, isn't needing anything outside of itself. So how we're dependent on the earth and the air and all of these different things, I'm gonna be coding through the vortex to basically through my DNA into the vortex to neutralize it so it goes into a certain space of neutrality so that there's no separation between the body and the earth. And by doing that, you're also turning on the body. So it's holding 100% of that one code. So I'll be going to 12 different places. I'll be recording myself doing the actual coding, and then I'm gonna be holding live reflection calls afterwards. So once everybody gets the recording and does the activation on themselves and are coding the ORMIS and coding their body to have that frequency as well, we're gonna meet live and talk about what their experience is and any information that they're getting through the intelligence that's turning on and that sort of thing. So it'll be a lot of fun.
0: What a trippy life you have. I love it. It's, it's got to be good, it's right? Fun. <laughs> it's fun. I love it. Yeah. I'm just picturing you like out in the woods, looking around for the vortex.
1: Have my bear spray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
0: How, how did you... Uh, determine the exact locations of where you're going or are they predetermined or are you figuring out as you go?
1: They're pretty determined. So, you know, at, at one point I knew that come October 1st that I wasn't going to be a nomad. I just knew it. So I started giving away my stuff. I was ending everything at that point. And I thought I was actually going to come down to Austin. I had, I actually rented a place and everything. Cause I just was like, Oh, I'll go down there. There's a lot of people there, kind of like me there. And just a few weeks ago, I started having visions of myself going to these different areas. So I started writing them down and I was like, oh, well maybe I'll go here. And I started writing them all down. And then uh, I started getting visions of my friend, Rob. I still have his ashes. And he started showing me that I was gonna actually put his ashes in all these locations. And so by the time I got it done, I kind of marked it all out. And I was looking at it, I was like, this is really interesting. It because it made a heart exactly oh, the wow. way I was like tracing the map. Yeah. So it was in the United States and it made a heart out of all the places I was going, except for one that was in the middle. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, this is the heart of the dove. So I don't know of the people that know the book of the keys of Enoch, but there's a whole thing about the the return of the dove. And I honestly don't really resonate with the book but my friend Rob did. I actually read it to him when he was dying and I had a dream where I was supposed to return to the heart of the dove and the middle spot is actually where I was born. No way. Yes.
0: Rippy. Fascinating.
1: No, you can't make this stuff up. It's just so fun. (laughs) The best things
0: in life can't be made up because they're just too crazy. You couldn't make it up. Do you think that, um, something I've been kind of playing with around incarnation. My sort of worldview or philosophy is that our soul is a unique expression of God or consciousness. And it's sort of pre-programmed to find its way back to its source. It's sort of like boomerangs out into the universe and you know through its own volition and will eventually find its way back and it does that through god knows how many lifetimes like thousands and thousands of them maybe right and each time we have an opportunity in the 3D realm to um to elevate our consciousness and to learn and grow and gain wisdom and uh and apply it so that's kind of the model i've been working with and see that this lifetime has been um there's been so much uh fruition in this lifetime because i've been able to um evolved so much in a short period of time so who knows how many lifetimes i was just a totally unconscious ogre but in this time i went through enough shit that it really gave me a deep yearning for god right and i feel like i'm kind of on my way and at the same time where i've been sort of arriving lately is this sense like i don't know if i want to keep doing this you know like i i don't I don't know if I want to keep coming back here. I feel like maybe this is it. Maybe this could be the one and then I can go be of service in the celestial realms or wherever we exist when we're not in this body. You personally, where are you on that journey, provided you even understand or fit in that kind of worldview yourself? Do you want to keep coming back here or do you want to make this one your last trip?
1: I think, okay, so first of all, I'm pretty positive because I can literally remember when I was born, knowing it was the first time. Really? Yes. And I knew it was the last time too.
0: Oh, one time shot. Yeah,
1: one time. So I don't know how I remember that, but I do. But I think you're right. I actually feel like this is going to be the last for a lot of people because people are waking up enough that they realize that the life and death cycle is actually a hoax And that it isn't even supposed to be the way that we evolve consciously because what's the point? It doesn't even make sense. If you really step back and you're like, let's just put everybody in these little matrices because when they're not in that form, they're actually source. So it's either your source or you're in this existence that we're existing now. And then how conscious we are within that existence will be our experience of that. And then we'll come up with all these different stories of why is it this? And why is it this? And oh, was this past life. And I honestly, all the stories, the whys, they got to go. It's like, you're either experiencing your programming or you're experiencing the intelligence of source. Let's just cut all all the bullshit and just know which one you're in. And once you know that, you can make the choice of either this or this. It doesn't have to be hard. All of the past lives and all these different things, it's just a bunch of stories to entertain the ego of why you are the way you are. Who cares? Because why you are the way you are is your programming. This is the only thing that's
0: real. It's interesting you describe it as a hoax because I, I don't know, lately I've been getting a sense that it's possible that on the other side, in some of the, Astral planes that one might pass through when you leave the body, that there could be tricksters in there that dupe you into coming back, go toward the light, right? To keep us imprisoned in the cycle of reincarnation Mm -hmm. and sort of dupe us into thinking that that is the path of evolution and the only path of evolution. So we're like, okay, I guess I'll go back to another body and do it again. But that there could be on those realms some level of deception that we're not aware of. You know,
1: it's so interesting that you said that about the light because that was the, the one, actually the first message that Rob gave me is don't go to the light. He said, go to the darkness because if you think about the color black, it's ev- it's every color and light is the reflection. And that's what we're moving out of. We don't want to be in reflection anymore. We want to be an expression. We want to be all that is. So it only makes sense that we would go to the darkness
0: that's interesting. Wow. That's deep. Damn, that's super deep. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought about it like that because we always frame the, the light as illumination and knowingness, right? And that the darkness is kind of an unknown void and there's an emptiness there and there's a fullness to the presence of light. Um, and just thinking about dark emotions and light emotions and the dark arts and, right, there's this paradigm of light and dark. I've never thought about it in that way but I am definitely curious about, you know, whether or not how much free will do we have in coming back around every time and how much of it is based on some level of deception or, or just being misinformed on how the whole game works? Like, do we even need to keep coming back and playing the game?
1: I don't think we do, but I also feel, I think they've actually done some research on this and I, I know, I don't, I couldn't tell you where it is. I just remember hearing this, that they kind of studied these people that had near life experiences death experiences and came back. And whatever their belief system was, was their experience when they when they were dead, right? So if that makes me feel like, because it does take about two hours for consciousness, the, all the electrons to leave your body. And so that makes me feel like that that, until all of the electrons are gone and you're completely emerged back into source, where we could have the illusion that something else is going on, right? But eventually the electrons are going to hit source and that's going to happen. That's going to, I'm just going to, that's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm, I'm, I would much rather believe that than have a fear that, oh, I'm going to leave back because clearly that hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Some traditions hold that it takes three days for you to fully leave the body. Have you heard that?
1: I haven't, but I would, yeah. I would, I would, I would back that up too for sure
0: yeah the way that uh, I've set up my trust and you know will and burial um, request is that that I'm kept in the house for three days and not put in a fucking morgue or on some in a you know like refrigerator so I'm like I'm not having that I don't know why it's just my intuition I don't even know what if it's Hindu or where that tradition comes from exactly but It's just when when I was put in a position to, you know, adult and lay these plans out and create a plan to make life easier, hopefully, on the people that are left here, um, I just knew there's no way I'm going to be put anywhere for 72 hours.
1: I love that. I'm going to do that too. But I'm really hoping that I'm actually going to send the body in this lifetime.
0: It sounds like you might. (laughs) You're on to some next level stuff here. I I wouldn't put it past you, you know, there's... (laughs) Definitely stories in history, as I said, of people just dematerializing because they reach a certain, you know, um, levity, I guess you could say. So I'm all for it. All right, last question for you. And you might not even have an answer because it seems like you've just been kind of navigating your own path for a very long time and have not really subscribed to following other people and things like that. But um, could you name three teachers or even teachings or philosophies that have influenced your life and your work that you'd like to share with us.
1: Obviously Eva, the Lakota I worked with, Eva White Desert Eagle was her name. I would say she had the biggest influence on me. I, I did work with one other lady. Her name was Deborah Lord and she was amazing as well. She you know what she really did is is she showed me, like, all of the different beliefs. I mean, it was just, like, messy, right? Like, let's go in and just look at it all, and I did some work with her for almost a year, but as far as, like, studying kind of where you would find, like, the Joe Dispendas, and, like, I never was attracted to it, and it was actually after I worked with Deborah, so I was probably 28. I knew, just cut it off, like, just start doing your own thing and I did you know and I would read books here and there and do some different stuff but not very often I think I just always knew that the only way we're actually going to find something new is to to like listen to something that's not already out there
0: yeah makes sense I mean maybe that would be the defining characteristic between a seeker and a finder There's a the point at which hopefully you find what you're looking for and just keep going deeper into that. You know? so I, I respect that. And I'm going to let you off with two because Please. you... Uh,
1: I would really you know, have to rack my brain. <laughs> it's all, it's, all, it's just
0: a tradition on the show. I think I've forgotten it a couple of times over the seven or eight years or however long I've been doing this, but um, it's always a question I love to ask. Because you, you, know, you talk to someone who has hopefully some expertise and wisdom to share and I'm always curious like well that's cool but like who came before you you know what I mean and that's um I think I just started doing it when I when I started the podcast and I for some reason just never stopped I
1: think it's a great question I'll
0: I'll take you too and we'll go from there well thank you so much for joining me today this has been really fun I knew we were going to have a wild ride and uh that proved to be the case so thank (laughs) you
1: well thanks for just being so open and relaxed it's so nice having conversations with people that are open to talking about things that may be challenging for people to hear. And, you know, I have a saying where I just straight up am not here to make people comfortable. And I own where I am and I love it. And if you resonate with it, I I love it, right? It's like, let's have fun and just see how far we can go. But it's not about trying to change anyone's beliefs. It's just sharing my truth. And thank you for letting me do that.
0: 100% you.